maybe it's clearing the decks before the World Cup, but there's a lot going on in Welsh rugby at the moment. To hear more, keep listening to the Welsh Rugby Union podcast. Later on, we'll hear lots about the changes for next season, from the Premiership all the way down through the leagues. Changes in the men's and women's game. We'll also hear from the Welsh Rugby Writers' Young Player of the Year, Morgan Morris. But last week, we heard some of the details about Dusky WRU, a new resource to help clubs become more open and diverse. Helping out at the launch were Wales internationals Gareth Davis and Fionn Lewis. A chance to chat to them both about that and other things, of course. Starting with Fionn, who missed the new WXV tournament because of knee surgery and has also recently gone public about her problems with endometriosis to increase awareness of that condition. But we started with how she is following the knee surgery. Doing alright at the moment. Could be better, could be worse, but no, on the on the road to recovery. What are the timings of it? Six Nations is the goal. Yeah, obviously, unfortunately, we'll be playing WXV this year, but I'll be supporting the girls in the best way that I can. But yeah, Six Nations is the goal. How gutting is it to be missing WXV? Because it's such a big step forward for the women's game, and of course, you will be on the sidelines. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I'm completely gutted, but. At the moment, my mind is about controlling what I can control. I'm in camp at the moment with the girls, rehabbing alongside them training. So, like I said, my priority is just trying to support them the best way that I can. If that's shouting on the sideline and that's all I can do, then that's good, you know, that's good enough for me. But um, I'm really excited for them. This competition is, is going to be an amazing step forward for women's rugby. It's going to be massive. And um, I think that you know the girls are going to do really well. They're um, working really hard. And uh, you know I'm really excited to be, unfortunately, at home watching them. But no, I'm excited to, to see them take the field. This campaign to get clubs to be more open, what was it like for you as a young girl when you first went into rugby? What was the feeling for you at that time? Um, well, I'd been brought up you know, around boys. I was friends with boys and, and, and then I was the only girl on, on the team. I was the only girl on the boys' team. So back then I was like, well, if boys can do it, then so can I. And, you know, when I was younger... I'm not extremely old now, but I mean, back when I was younger, oh there was no girls' teams around where I lived, so you know I could only play until I was 12. So I think now the opportunity where there's women's and girls' game is growing so much, and the opportunity for anyone to come down, whether they want to play or they just want to volunteer, I think is incredible. The community have asked for the support from the WIU, so I think this is going to be an incredible platform now to be able to, to provide that support and for you know anyone to be able to learn and, and get better in all aspects of the club, you know, from a period plan to you know making the health and safety that's in line like everything you can think of is what is on this platform so I just think it's an incredible step forward but back in the day it was very haphazard it relied on one or two people sort of being interested I suppose to be honest and things like a period plan in a rugby club that that never happened I think back then you wouldn't really think about those things you know you just turn up with your boots and in in a muddy field and you get your chips and sausages at the end you know what I mean and you'd rely on someone's dad to be coaching and as long as you you had someone there with a bag of balls then then you're good to go and I think I mean the game's completely evolved and changed since then so you know there there are important things that need to be in place to to make sure that every rugby club is safe and and inclusive and I think the way the game is going now I think that that's what this platform provides. We were also talking the other day with Abby Tierney coming in as the new chief exec and if you want Welsh Rugby to grow 
an obvious area to build on is, of course, the women and the girls' game. Yeah. And that's how clubs can grow as well. Yeah, I think that's where it started for a lot of us. You know, I, I was six when I started playing and that was in my local club. If you don't want that to just be the only option, someone could be 14, 15 coming down. You look a women's or a men's team, you could be 30 starting. It doesn't matter what age you are, where you come from. There just needs to be an opportunity for everyone. It doesn't matter what your background is. And like I said, I started when I was younger. And to think now the opportunity that children have got that was different to, to those years ago is completely completely world apart but I think in such a positive way you know if I was a young kid starting out now I'd be so excited for what the future holds um, for rugby especially in Wales and especially in the women's and girls game it's an exciting place to be in and one of the things is you can get injured and still be supported (laughs) and that didn't used to happen and obviously some of your teammates were very much in that position that a few years ago they went through what you're going through on their own yeah, like, and I've said from the beginning, so, since I've got injured, the, the support I've had from the WU has been incredible. Um, I've been in near enough every day since I've been injured and, and I've wanted to be there because I, I, I want to get better. And, yeah, the support I've had from, you know, having my surgery done to just the medical care every day has been incredible, even from the support from the coaches and even, like, you know, we've got our own psychologist now who's on hand to help us with these tough times that happen through injury, which happens. I can't be say that it's plain sailing. It is an emotional roller coaster. But yeah, no, we are in a really, really lucky position. But that's where the game's going. You'll be watching from the sidelines. We've seen big developments in the Six Nations, and before that, every time we see the women in a, in a group of games, we're seeing big developments from the, the previous set of games. What do you think we're all going to be watching in the WXV? Because it's tough with England, New Zealand, yeah. you know, amongst all the top teams. Yeah, like something I've always said too, and a lot of us have said the same thing, that we need to be realistic with how our progression shows. We can't be, since we turn professional the next day, saying that we're going to take over the world. Progression takes time, and also other teams are, are taking these steps too. So, so the, the challenge of competition is really, really intense. You know, we're in a position where we've had a, we had a really good Six Nations, and something that we are, are really proud of and that we still celebrate we always say and your one something always says it that if we want to be the best in the world we need to play the best in the world we're still growing we're still developing but you know the leaps that we've taken these last few months uh, and even the last year has been really really incredible so I just think that yeah it's going to be very exciting it's going to be tough because we're playing the top teams in the world but no I'm excited for the girls like I said they were working hard and um, the only way is up and then last couple of weeks you've obviously kind of chosen to speak about your kind of health issues which I think is you know, really important and you know, you're kind of raising awareness of it for other people. Did you take long to decide to, to use your platform now to actually hopefully make a difference to other people? Being honest, I, I've been so consumed by my knee injury that I wasn't really focused on my second op. Um, I was actually in the gym 45 minutes before I was meant to be in hospital for my surgery because I was so I just I was just so laid back about it. I was just kind of like, oh, nothing would be as bad as my knee. I wasn't really prioritising it. I just didn't think anything was really wrong. And it wasn't until like I woke up from surgery and yeah, my surgeon told me what he'd found that then it kind of hit me and that was a kind of the reality check for me. And the results took a few days to kind of come to terms with because it really did, yeah, it was like I said, it really did set me back um, considering I wasn't, didn't even think that something like that was even wrong with me. And then, yeah, the Monday came and I was sat with my partner and I was like, I need to do something with this. Like, you know, it is what it is now. What can I do with it kind of thing? Like, I, I've struggled with this all these years without even even thinking something was wrong. What are these, you know, young girls that don't have the support, which I was lucky enough to have, even any woman that have ended up reaching out to me to say that they need someone like me to stand up and kind of try and use my voice to spread the awareness. I was very nervous about it. I was like, am I doing the right thing? Because it's quite a vulnerable thing to share. 
but then as soon as I'd done it, the support I had and the response was incredible. And it just reassured me that it, it was important and it, it can be something really powerful. So yeah, like we did a, a release last week about what we're going to do to get like working with the charity, you know, working with Jo Perkins, our, my physio, because you know she's an expert in female health. To see what we can do to try and educate, you know, even just the male staff in our squad. I think that's really important. But yeah, for me, the most important thing is awareness and trying to get the, these young girls and these ladies them to be heard and this to be taken seriously. Gareth, can we just going right back to the beginning. What was the rugby club like? When you first started, because back in the day it felt like a very male-dominated, not necessarily the most open environment, dads who played, people who were involved anyway, is that fair? Yeah, it's fair to say, but uh, I think everyone's fully aware, you know, over the last couple of years that, you know, the game is changing in Wales and, you know, it's nice to see, like, the likes of um, the Welsh ladies doing so well and a lot of them being professional athletes now and I think it's only good for the game in Wales, you know, it's a lot of young girls and young boys can look up at a lot of people and uh, hopefully that will just make the game in Wales better as the future goes on. And you've just been interacting with some of the youngsters from St Albans. They are the future. You're obviously the elite end, but they're the ones you'd hope to come through in 15, 20 years' time. Yeah, exactly. It's nice to see so many youngsters here today learning about this Dusky Cymru and, um, yeah, hopefully... There's a handful of kids in there, and hopefully, in you know, in a matter of in a couple of years' time, hopefully they'll they'll be in the same position as me and Fiona are in and representing our, our countries. Hopefully, and of course, you're heading off for the World Cup. We all thought three scrum halves, you'd definitely be going, but of course, he's only taken two. That puts an awful lot of pressure on you, yourself and Thomas. You've got to play every game between you. You're going to be involved in every training session. There's going to be a lot of physios working on you, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, maybe, but you know, I think. Me and Thomas, we we both, you know, very very fit. We never miss uh, touchwood. No, I'm jinxed any of us, but um, you know, we we don't miss a training session. We're both quite lucky with injuries. We look after ourselves very well. So uh, hopefully, the fact that there's only two of us going, that's Gatland alone. You hopefully need two of us. I mean, everybody gets big injuries, of course they do. But you're right. The two of you've got a really good record that when you're generally fit, you're available. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, we we look after ourselves really well. You know, recovery is a massive part of the game these days, and. You know, we do a lot of work with the physios, post-sessions, pre-sessions and everything to keep us as, uh, as fit as we possibly can. And, um, yeah, like I said, hopefully that will be the right decision. And you've all said it's the fittest you've ever been, so that's a good place to be. Yeah, uh, I think 2019 is probably... I thought I was maybe fitter back then, but um, I've done a couple of fitness tests recently and I think I'm a bit fitter this time round, so I'm like a fine wine, like they say. So, But uh, now I'm feeling good. I'm building up to that Fiji game opening. I mean, what do you make of them? They are some team at the moment, aren't they? They've got some unbelievable individuals like they have always had over the years. But I think what we see from Fiji at the moment is that, you know, they've got a structure to their game now. They're not just a, full, a team of individuals. They're a good team, you know, um, structurally as well. So, you know, it's a dangerous team. So, um, yeah, it's a massive game for us first up. And uh, we've got a lot of work to do before that game, but um, hopefully we'll be ready for it. A lot of it's going to come down to control, going to come down to organisation. A lot of that's going to run through the scrum half. Yeah, game management is going to be massive for that game. You know, we can't be playing too loosely against these um, Fijians because we all know what they can do. So, yeah, but, um, you know, it's not a game that we want to go into our shells or nothing, but um, game management will be important. So um, there'll be a lot of pressure on the on the halfbacks during that game, but hopefully it's um, one that we'll uh, enjoy. First choice at the last two World Cups. That's obviously the goal, but how difficult is it going to be this time? It's obviously the goal, but you know, just to be part of the squad, the 33 is um, 
I'm very happy with. You know, I haven't played probably out of favour the last year or so. You know, I worked extremely hard to get myself back into a bit of form, to get back into physically probably the best shape that I've been in, fitness that I've been. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, Thomas is obviously a world class scrum half. I've always rated Thomas. If I can push him and he can push me, I think it'll be great for the team that uh, we're both performing at our best. But you're very much a team, the two of you, aren't you? I mean, whoever starts, someone's going to come on and still have a major impact on the game. Exactly, you know, so we all know it's an 80-minute game these days, you know, especially at World Cups. You know, whoever starts between me and Thomas, the other will still have probably just as an important role to do. You know, whether we play 50, 30, 60, 20, doesn't really make much of a difference, but, you know, that role of the scrum half coming off the bench will just be as important, if not more important, than the, than the guy that's starting. There are two great moments that you have in Welsh World Cup history. One is the try at Twickenham, the other one is the interception in defence against Australia. Which is the best moment you've had that you can pick out, and what are we going to see from you this time? They're obviously my two best moments. I, I can't really pick a winner, to be honest. Both pretty special moments. Yeah, you know, if I could have a moment like that in this World Cup again, it would be... Um, Unbelievable, to be honest, but um, yeah, I don't really think about those moments. You know, if those moments happen, they happen. You have and, to be um, ready for them, I guess. Got to be ready for them, yeah. yeah. Got to be in the right place at the right time. Got to be expecting, you know, I'll do a lot of preview on uh, the opposition teams to see um, where I can be successful at whatever I'm going to be trying to do, yeah. but um, hopefully we'll see a couple of magic Can moments. Coming back to today and, and the clubs and whatever, how much support do you get from Newcastle? I yeah, they're great. You know, um, I don't really get much time to go back there as much as I'd like anymore. But you know, a lot of my friends still play for the first team down there. You know, if I went down there on Saturday to watch them play, I would probably know 99% of the people there and know most of the boys that are playing. So it's a special club, Newcastle Emlyn, and they've been great to me over the years. Always wished me well for everything I've done. And um, yeah, as soon as I can, I'll go back and support them as much as I can. And um, great club. You know, it's a great junior section there. Great clubhouse. The staff there are unbelievable, the volunteers, everyone is a great, it's a great community. Alan Wainwright was saying that Gatlin's advice since he came back in, I suppose, is just pick your strength and make that better rather yeah. than maybe trying to do everything. Is, is that certainly the approach you know, you've taken? Yeah, that was, that's one of uh, Gats's um, sayings, really. Can't be great at everything, but what you think you are good at, make yourself great at it. So um, I think it's a great point, to be honest, and um, I think that's what a lot of the boys have done over the last couple of months prioritised a couple of key points in their games and um, you know, hopefully we'll all come together and uh, we'll be uh, a good team. You're listening to the Welsh Rugby Union podcast. Gareth Davis finishing off there and he's certainly looking in good form preparing to head for the World Cup. But if that's the international game, the next bit covers everything below regional level. Big changes for next season to the Premiership, becoming probably a 10-team division, and then changes all the way down, also affecting the women's game. Plenty to discuss with WIU Community Director Garrett John. From our point of view, I think you may have seen today just the excitement within probably us as a group in, in the union to start off with, but I think the aim of it is sort of like, Ever since I came back to the union, was it near enough to 16? And we've always talked about what is below regional rugby. You know, we've had regional A's. We've been trying to look at the purpose of the Premiership. Should it be 12? Should it be 14? We've had 16. What is the purpose, and how do we develop 
basically our playing system below the regional game. And um, probably over the last 18 months and post-COVID, we've accelerated the conversations. And we've come today with, I think, what has been a full-on agreement with not only the union, the regions and the premiership clubs on our next step. And the elite club competition, and it's a maximum of 10 teams. People will argue, should it be 8, should it be 6, should it be 10, should it be 12, should it be 14? Those are discussions that we've already had, so um, hopefully we won't have those discussions. But they've been robust conversations. You know, how many players do we have? Do we have enough players to have a real competitive competition? By reducing the number of teams, we feel it will make it more competitive. And we want to develop our players. And um, we want players to sort of play games. So they could be academy players playing in this game who need the game time. Help in terms of our under-20s, players who leave the under-20 model to play games, but also the late developer, a late developer who's not maybe playing, who could be playing for a local community club, going, I've got an opportunity, I'm not in any academy, I'm going to try it out with an elite club competition, I'll go to their pre-season, I'll try and trial to get in there. And all of a sudden you see a late developer coming in as well, because they see that it's part of a pathway. Regions see it as part of a pathway, so they'll be seen. So I think it's hopefully gives us that opportunity that everybody will understand the purpose and hopefully the next three years we'll keep monitoring, see how many players come through. But it's also a development process for match officials, coaches, team managers, strength and conditioners, first aiders. And it's, it's a club-based competition, so we're making sure in terms of that's where our supporter base, our supporters understand clubs, our history and our culture, that's what it's about as well. So we hopefully will get our club supporters behind it as well, that they're going to see not only the excited new players on, on board, but it's also maybe the tried and tested premiership players, they'll still be there, you know, the 28, 30, 32, because they help to develop these young players as well. And if there's a player who's finishing a career in region, they can come back. There's a, an elite competition as well. So lots there, but that's why we're probably excited about it. We think we've got a competition now with a bit of purpose that'll help us to probably aim to make our regions more successful, our clubs more successful, and ultimately Wales more successful. Since 2016, and probably, to be honest, the previous 10 to 15 years below that as well, 8 to 10 has been a, a sort of magic number. Yeah. I'm pretty sure one year there was a proposal for 8 that ended up at 14. <laughs> <laughs> so what's changed now to actually get that lower number over the line? My personal view on that one is that we have gone into rooms and we've had those robust conversations. Yeah, we've listened as a governing body, I feel. People may sometimes criticise us for not listening. There's been robust, tough conversations. We all know that we need to do something. There are up-and-coming countries out there. We want to be in the top four in the world. We're not in the top four in the world. We want to be more successful than the international stage. We want our regions to be more successful. We have talented players. We have unbelievably talented young players. And everywhere you go, people can't get over. When you look at our 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 of those players coming through, we have unbelievable talent in the, in the across the men and the women's game. Talking about the men's game here, we need to make sure that the continued development of that player from the 18 years of age to 23, because they're critical five years, that we make sure they get the right on-field training, off-field training, but they also play rugby as well. And I think we all reach the stage saying, if we don't do anything, we're going to fall. And I think sometimes having that, those frank conversations makes people realise, yeah, we've got to do something here. 
and I got to be honest, I'll, I'll take my hat off to the Premiership clubs. They were brilliant. They've been absolutely brilliant at this. John Jones, who's led it as chair, and yeah, there's been frank conversations. You know, should it be eight? Should it be ten? Should it be twelve? Should it be fourteen? Some people would say, I think it should be fourteen. We've got enough players for fourteen. We've come to a compromise. We think it's the right decision, and we're all collectively behind it. That's one of the things. It's sort of, a, it hasn't been a dictatorship. It's been a robust conversation with ourselves, regions, academy managers, and also our clubs as well. And um, that's probably why uh, we've come to this situation here, which is, you know, we did the Premiership call last night, and I came off it thinking, I wish all Premiership meetings had been like that over the last six to eight years. (laughs) But it shows where we are in terms of our relationship. And there's still a lot of work to do in terms of, you know, we've got to finalise the criteria and the salary cap. And I think that's going to be something we've all agreed that we think we should do that so that we're all on the same level. The clubs have supported that. They'll be part of the criteria. But we've also got to make sure that the rest of the community game understand that as well. It's uh, our clubs and our game is not sustainable if we keep pay players of money that we don't have. It's been in rooms and having tough conversations and agreeing in some things we'll agree to disagree and just being open and honest I think we've done that Premiership have done that and the regions have done that Just briefly what's the schedule now in terms of clubs you've got the criteria coming out soon you've got decisions pretty much by the end of the year Yeah so that's the aim finalise the criteria in the next few weeks share the criteria first before we finalise with the clubs and people will say well it's not up to them well this is about Maybe a new way of thinking, a new world that we're in. That, yeah, we'll collaborate, make sure that everybody's comfortable. Then expression of interest. Then making a decision via a Welsh Rugby Union representative and independent people as well. And we feel there's 10 out there. One of them will be, if they meet the criteria, will be North Wales. I think that's important as well. That was probably another conversation, robust conversation, but everybody agrees. Half our nation lives in North Wales, and we need a North Wales representative. Unbelievable talented players that come through, clubs that play up there, great facilities. Obviously, in terms of their alignment, they'd probably be aligned across all regions because there may be players there. They'll be right across the board, which is important to know because if there's a player of quality there, then that's a discussion for them to have uh, and with us to have with all the regions. So we feel confident they will meet the criteria, but they still have to go through the criteria process. And then the rest of it is that, you know, geographical space there. We believe there will be one from every region. But it also, the criteria is the key part as well. And, and that they're willing to adhere to the criteria as well. And uh, we feel we'll have enough for 10. We think 10 is the right number. But if they don't fill the criteria, and if we have to go less, we go less. But we don't think that'll happen. Changes at the top level, but also changes all the way down, including amalgamating with the women's game, making the more coordination there, and big changes to the numbers of clubs and leagues all the way down. Yeah, and that was one of the things. We couldn't actually do our rules and regulations for the clubs the community game without having the final sign-off of the top end because it has a massive, whatever you do at the top end. So if 10 teams leave the Premiership and go to the elite competition, that would have only left three teams in the Admiral Prem or the new Admiral Prem in the community game. So our promotion relegations changes. We've done a lot again at the same process we've been doing with the elite. We've been doing a lot of insight and research on what does the community game need. Workshops, surveys, meetings, Letters, reading people's social media, you know, maybe telling us what we should be doing. We care about the community game, but it's also about making sure what is required in the future as well, you know. So 
and also listening to people. What does today's player want? Not what I wanted as a player. You know, I played every Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday. I loved it. But today's players don't want that. You know, they want to play on a Saturday. They want to spend time with their family. They want to go away with their mates. They want to go on holidays, especially half term or with their children. So and the same in the women's game as well. You know, they want to go and see their sons and daughters playing. They play on a Sunday. How do they fit in? So we've had a look at all this and the insights. Our belief in looking at the research is that we're looking at games completed at the top end of the community game. We can do 12-team leagues because we know those games fairly well completed. So 24-25, we'll still have 13 in the Premiership because structurally it helps, and I will admit that. But Championship East and West will still remain 12 teams. But further down you go, our aim is to get 10-team leagues. By having that is that we have weather in, in Wales, we can have rain, we can have games being cancelled. So when do we do those rearranged games? We've noticed that over the period of time, majority of games, a lot of games get played March and April and May. We have extensions to seasons every single year. We've noticed that pre-season starts in July, ends in May. We're playing for 11 months. We, volunteers don't want to be around a club for 11 months. Players don't want to be there for 11 months. So how do we bring that in? So we're looking at the lower league you go, 10 team leagues. That'll allow rearranged games to be played if there's games cancelled. Those rearranged games will probably be, can now be played on a Saturday, not midweek. If you have a Saturday game, that means people go to the club before and stay afterwards. You don't have to worry about floodlights to have rearranged games, cost for the clubs. Because again, we're hearing that rearranged games causes Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday. We can't have that either. And also, we have local cups, the historical local cups, the West Wales Cup, Ben Francis Cup in, uh, in District A. Plus also, we have district representative rugby as well. So all of a sudden, we've got so much rugby going on at from probably February, March till the end of April. Players just don't know. And then, other competitions, you know, Morriston went to the Principality Cup final, won the division, they were in their local cup final, and a silver ball, and they were saying, we can't fit the games in, because of their success. So, it's a little bit of how do we spread this out, but not extending the season as well. We believe it's the right thing to do, and give clubs also the opportunity to play derbies. So if there's a free Saturday, why can't they play derbies? So I went to Tlandaf, Tlandaf North last season because Tlandaf got promoted. They won't play each other. So by reducing the leagues in the future, they could rearrange that game because it's a fantastic revenue, brings history into it, and other clubs can do the same as well. So we've looked at it from an insightful way and looked at what do we need to do and... You know, we've also learned lessons from other countries. and So we've all been amalgamating this. It's interesting. We had a World Rugby Conference where the directors of the community game came together. And our concern was our seasons are too long and everybody wants to shorten the season. New Zealand has shortened the season to maybe 12 weeks. We nearly play for 12 months, let alone 12 weeks. Imagine having a 12-week community season. It wouldn't work for us. But we need to adapt it to make sure the clubs play, to make sure clubs sustainable. But also part of our work in the queue is that what other avenues are there for clubs to actually bring money in as well. And also we've got the women's and girls game, which is growing. And we need to make sure that they're supported as well. So there's been lots of changes, rules and regs combined in the women's and male game as well. But the top end has allowed us to restructure and look at the whole game. And hopefully now everybody gets behind it, everybody's supportive. We know there'll be some people who will like it, some people don't. That's the nature of things. But the more positiveness that we get out there, the more supportive people are.
it'll bring people through the gates as well. And I said with the clubs, I said, if there's a concern, write to us. I'd rather them write to us to a complain rather than put it out on social media and spread in the news. Let's work together to, to make the game, one, enjoyable for everybody, safe for everybody and sustainable as well. So after hearing about all those changes, appropriately enough, this weekend sees the start of the Indigo Group Premiership season. Lots of traditional derbies and on Sunday, the televised game in S4C Newport hosting Pontypool. And there's a fixture with plenty of history. A chance to hear from a couple of the clubs now. Irish Evans can RFC. Champions, how does that sound? That's amazing. That's what we worked really hard for and it's great to be in a position to be called that. Does it ever get tired? Uh, not at all. You know, it's one of those things we have to pinch ourselves to to realise a small market town in, in West Wales has, has managed to finish the top of the tree, and, uh, but it's something we're super proud of and something we worked really hard for, so delighted. So trying to defend the title this season, yeah. what are the chances? We've never done that before, so it's, it's the first time for us, but... Uh, Oh, we've got a similar squad, so you know, hopefully we'll be competitive again. You know, we need your luck with injuries and, and everything else goes with it, but we hope to be challenging again. What were the keys to success last year that you think you can carry on this year? I think you do need a bit of luck with injuries, and we were very fortunate last year. We managed to stay injury-free for the majority of the season. Neither have a bit of luck to win silverware, but we played an exciting brand of rugby, and we scored lots of points, which was really pleasing, but possibly last year our defence was really solid. Teams found it difficult to score against us and, and allowed us to squeeze out a couple of wins where in the past maybe we would have lost. And that exciting brand of rugby, I mean, really came to the fore in the latter stages of the season. It was, it was pretty good to watch, apart from anything else. Yeah, exactly, and... Um, I think we've got a responsibility to a certain extent to, to entertain crowds who come to watch us and hopefully when they come to watch Kandavari they feel they've had value for money because you know, we've definitely tried to play rugby what I think is the right way and play an open expansive game but you know, you have, sometimes you have to dig in and grind out results and, and last year they've managed to do that on a number of occasions as well. Notably, this season, how's that impacting on you? Our relationship with the Scarlets is, is probably closer again, and there's more responsibility for us to develop some of the younger players, and that's something we're looking forward to do. We've done in the past, and, and we look forward to working closely with them and making sure the pathway for those players is, um, is, is strong and, and vibrant within the region. And it's a slightly strange season, isn't it? The last one in this format, and then another format next season. What's your view, the Sandovery view, on, on the changes and looking forward? I think these changes have been talked about for a long time so personally I think it's, it's nice that the final decisions be made into what the, what the future is going to look like I think the Premiership needs to be in the, in the sort of professional element of the game so I'm really pleased that's in place but obviously the devil is in the detail and we need to know what the criteria is now and how it's all going to work but the whole point of everything that's been done is making sure that we've got a, you know, a strong national team and it's getting everything aligned and, and everything in place so it's exciting in many ways that uh, it's going to change but I think the important thing is that we we don't change it too much now and we, we make this change and we stay with it for a number of years and, and then really review and assess it uh, after a period of time. And the progress Landovria made over, over, say, the last 30 years, culminating in the title last year, that's something you'd like to, to see carrying on at that top level. 100%. You know, as a club, we're very ambitious and um, to come from you know, Section D of West Wales to, to the top of Welsh rugby is a testament of all the hard work that's going on in the club. And we do want to end you. We're very ambitious and we want to be part of, of the 10 clubs and we'll do everything we can to make sure we are part. Scott Matthews, Pontypool IFC, the newbies. Yeah, yeah, pretty exciting. It is exciting, yeah. I think, particularly for the group of players who's been there for the past sort of five to ten years, you know, some of the older boys in the squad, that they've been through the ups and the downs of being a Pontypool player. 
myself, I, I joined a little bit later than some of the other boys, but certainly been involved in the process and the disappointment of losing the playoff game a few years back and and obviously a bit of a rebuild and, and obviously getting promotion. So it was a great feeling for us and and more so probably for the town. And yeah, we, we're excited to, to be back in, in the Premiership. Yeah, what's the feeling to have this level of rugby back at Pontypool Park and to, to have the town back be mentioned and everyone's lips again? Yeah, for the supporters is obviously something where they feel Pontypool belong. As a group of players, we, we feel like, like we belong here. Um, I think as, as a presence and as an all, it's, it's good to be involved in. We come with a good support, a good history, and now the players have got to back it up. But as a feeling, it's excitement, definitely. There's a bit of the unknown as well, which is exciting. Depends where you look at it. For us, we, we're going into a, a new style of rugby. We've got, we got to try and play, we've got to try and defend differently. And there's going to be a lot of, of learnings for us. But with that excitement, that learning sort of come fast as well, so we're really looking forward to it, yeah. I mean, the history, obviously, everybody knows. That put a bit of pressure on uh, this new group of players. If you really are going to play exciting rugby, there'll be some people turning in their graves, right? Oh, I know, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's always added pressure, I think, from, from your own support because of the history. But I think, as a group of players, that's been building for the past five years since that playoff game. Pressure, it comes with any game in rugby, depending on how you look at it. But also that pressure on those nerves is, is part of the good feeling of being a rugby player as well. You know, if, if you're nervous, it shows you care. And if you're care, you're going to put in a good performance. Like So certainly, um, yeah, we look, we're looking forward to the challenge. And we're talking here in Newport. We're looking out on the yeah. pitch where you're back on, yeah. on Sunday. Looking forward to that derby opener? Obviously, is again, historically, it's, it's a good field over the years with, with the two clubs and, and obviously the, to be selected to be the first um, TV game again is huge excitement for us we're looking forward to playing a big crowd it'll certainly as I said a new style of how teams are going to attack us the championship was a lot different to how the premiership is and Newport probably epitomise that on the way they want to play Newport are a fast expansive team with um, some good uh, generals in there like Matt O'Brien and stuff so we're kind of expecting a different sort of way we need to defend as I said so I think if we can stop their attack and, and obviously try and keep the ball and stop them from playing you know we'll be in with a shout but on the flip side that if you get things wrong and you start to chase shadows these boys can really punish you so yeah it's a um, huge occasion for the boys huge day for the club and I'm sure there'll be one thing that we can't expect is full of pride and full of passion and uh, the boys are putting in 100% for sure and a lot of support coming down I would say there'll be uh, lots of buses being pulled from at the park. I know um, there'll be buses put on from locals and, and stuff. So, yeah, I've, some of the supporters have already been watching training and, and they're only letting us know they're coming down. So, Pontypool comes with fantastic support. In my opinion, as a club team, they're one of the best club support, uh, especially in Wales. We just want to do them proud and making sure that they spend their hard money on someone's worth coming down and supporting. So... Fantastic place to play in there, so we just we're really looking forward to it. And finally, of course, everyone's talking about <coughs> next season as well. It's a bit strange. You just got here. Yeah. What's it like for you? You want to you want to stay in there, presumably? Yeah, of course. Um, you, as we said, we fight so hard to get somewhere, and then obviously the, the goalposts have been changed. But you know, I think as players, you don't really worry too much about that. We're excited to be where we are now, and the only thing on our mind is Newport on Sunday night. What happens next season is, is to be seen. 
so yeah, I, I think whatever happens for, for Welsh rugby, it'll be what powers above see as, as a positive thing. So as long as, as the top scene is positive, I think I think everyone needs to get behind it, then how are we going to move in a positive direction? Finally, the Welsh rugby writers chose Osprey's back row Morgan Morris as their Young Player of the Year. The award winner has to be uncapped. He spoke to Welsh rugby writers chairman Alex Bywater. As a team, we probably weren't overall happy with our performance and how we ended up the season not being in the you know, top of the Welsh Shield, not being in the top eight, but it makes it harder for me then to look at my own performances and say, oh, I did well because at the end of the day, it's a team game and we want the team to do well, don't we? This year, we're really getting for what to do as best as we can in Europe, in the league, in the Welsh Shield and everything we can. We want to just do as well as we can. Yeah, and obviously you've, you've had a long pre-season already, haven't you? Well, what's, it, what's, it, what's, it, what's, it, what's it been like? A lot longer still got than, a few months to go. Still a lot while to go, a lot longer than what we're used to. It's been good, I think. We've almost had like a, a clean slate this year with new people coming in. Obviously people leaving that we've all seen, like with every club in Wales now, a lot of people have been leaving. So it has been like a new clean slate. Everyone's sort of started from fresh and we're getting used to each other, getting closer together, getting closer with the coaching group and stuff. So I think it's probably helped us having such a long pre-season so that we can bond as a team. And do you think that, you know, obviously you sort of talked about the team last season, but your, your individual performances were very good. Do you feel like there's even more to come for you? I hope so, yeah. I think... Um, you know, speaking to the coach, well, especially with the long pre-season now as well, we've had more time to work on our sort of weaknesses as a player, as an individual, and our strengths. They're getting better. So um, hopefully next year, well, you know, we'll do better as individuals and as a team. And this longer pre-season has helped us, I think, because we've had more one-on-one time with coaches, more personal sort of improvements as well. And obviously, because the strength of your performances last season, you know, many thought, oh, you might be in World Cup contention. That hasn't happened, but. Is playing for Wales, you know, something that you would, you know, love yeah, to do in the of course, future? Yeah, of course it is. You know, I think every man and their dog wants to play for Wales, don't they? If they're on Wales, so of course I want to play for Wales, just like everyone else who plays rugby in Wales wants to play for Wales. Um, all I can do is just keep doing as well as I can for the Ospreys, and hopefully I can get that call up at some point. Yeah, and the club recently confirmed the, the game in London, which is obviously something different. Just yeah. what was your reaction to that? Is that something that you're looking forward to? Um, so I think it's exciting. I think obviously the team that has worked out there might be good for us marketing-wise. Um, if it works out well for us, then that'd be good. We've got a whole group of people up there who probably haven't watched the Ospreys play rugby, which will be um, a good one to get into. And I think as it's in a block of I think it's three home games in a row it's probably a nice one to then have it as like a sort of an away home game as it is. Yeah, yeah I think it'd be exciting especially playing the Sharks in London. There's a lot of South Africans there we saw the South African England game there was a lot of South Africans there weren't there so there might be a lot of uh, away fans there as well as hopefully a few of the Ospreys travelling fans as well. And going into this season with the Ospreys is there a sort of a better feel going into on the back of obviously what everything that happened off the field last season there were so many distractions yeah. for players. Yeah. Hopefully now that's in the, the rearview mirror. Yeah, I think so. I think, well, like you said, it is all in the rearview mirror now. It's all passed on. We're sort of, like I said, it's like a clean slate going into this year with all the boys, you know. There's no sort of worry in all the boys that was that we had towards the back end of last season. Everyone sort of knows where they are for the next couple of years at least. So that's it for this week. Next week, we're getting ready for the World Cup on the Welsh Rugby Union podcast. Until then, goodbye.